Welcome. We are privileged today, first of all, to have Dart Kelly Victory with us, as we often do on Wednesdays, except to Thursday this week. And we are welcoming Scott Adams. He, of course, is the creator of Dilbert. He has uh, declared a death match with artificial intelligence. I'll tell you a little bit about that. He's a mega best-selling author, as I said, as well as creator of Dilbert. He has uh, recently gone through um, an interesting experience with um, censorship uh, and cancellation, and uh, Kelly's very interested in getting into more detail about that. So we will talk about that experience and what that is and why, why are we doing this and what it means, and uh, also what he means by deathmatch with AI. And uh, it will be privileged to welcome my friend, Scott Adams, right after this. And we're gonna also going to talk about, when I return, something I did today in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Our laws, as it pertain to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. The parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Oh boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. And before we welcome our guests, I want to talk a little bit about what I was doing today down in Washington, D.C. Uh, speaking on behalf of a group called SAM, also they have a, a, their, a drug policy, the drug policy group uh, as well. And uh, if you notice in the opening of this sequence, you have me speaking out about the draconian nature of our drug laws in this country. And I've been very concerned about that. I'm just interested in rational conversations about substances. Now, I am not interested in people going to jail. I'm not interested in it being a big, uh, um, I'm not really interested in the, the legal and, and uh, policing aspects. I'm interested in the medical aspects. And we have real honest conversation about that. So I had a chance to talk about that today. Uh, there is a QR code we're going to put up here if you want to support organizations like this. There they are. 
their concern is that the big cannabis is becoming big tobacco. Well, big tobacco and big alcohol are both into big cannabis and thus are not allowing people like me to talk rationally about the uh, the medical things we are seeing, much the way they wouldn't let us physicians talk about tobacco when it was uh, being clear that there was a big problem there as well. Uh, again, uh, I'm agnostic about some of the legal stuff myself. Uh, I definitely don't want people going to prison because of it. Uh, but I do want to be able to talk rationally about it. Uh, and my daughter herself uh, has suffered some very severe consequences from it. And she actually came and spoke about it. So that was a great event. So there was that. And Susan, uh, there we are. There I'm with uh, Sam again. The, uh, Sam. Event. Sam is the organization. Was there a name I'm missing? Yeah. Well, do you know what it's called? Do you want me to... Uh, <laughs> Smart Approaches to Marijuana. Yeah, right? so if you go to Smart Approaches or ask about sam.com. We've got it all up there. We've had it up there the can, whole time. You can learn more about it. Um, it's Learnaboutsam.org. Yes. Sorry. Learn about Sam. I don't have the thing in front of me. So, um, But I was really touched by how, you know, these people were looking for ways to save lives in our children's future it's it's just so astounding at the levels of thc that these kids are ingesting and the mental health problems that are coming from it so check it out if you have anybody you love that's going through this it's an interesting program so and speaking of 420 thc let's welcome my friend scott adams to the program scott how are you sir welcome uh, i'm great thanks how are you I'm good. So uh, I don't think you have met uh, my partner on this program, Dr. Kelly Victory. She's an ER doctor and she's worked in public health and she's a psychologist. And she's very interested in talking to you about your third rail experience with cancellation, uh, as well as your more recent death match with uh, artificial intelligence. But and, and by the way, I've noticed on your morning stream, well, talk about where people can find you first. Where, where, where do you want people to go to listen to your material? Uh, well, if you want to subscribe and see the, the new Dilbert Reborn and my side comic, uh, Robots Read News and a bunch of other stuff in my live streams, you can go to scottadams.locals.com. And if you just want to watch the live and streams, I'm on YouTube every day. Just look for Coffee with Scott Adams. It's uh, 7 o'clock Pacific time, correct? Every day. Right. Scott's one of these guys that does not does not like sleep. He does not dig sleep at all. It's a waste of time, which it is. But when you need sleep, you you would like happily cash it in if you could. But when you're not like you, who can tolerate no sleep, it becomes an issue. I don't know if I'm tolerating it or it's taken ten points off my IQ and I can't tell the difference. You know, I mean, if you're the dumb one, other people have to tell you. You know, you don't know it yourself. I don't know. According to Google, your IQ is like 190, so uh, therefore you wouldn't miss many of those those IQ points. Yeah, that, uh, just for the benefit of your audience, um, I did try to see if I could make my IQ appear to be 185 on uh, online, and apparently some people who uh, are fans of mine made that happen. <laughs> so if you use your uh, <laughs> use one of your digital devices at home. It'll tell you my IQ is, I think, 190. It fluctuates between 200 and, and 160 online. <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh, and uh, and by the way, the Dilbert on Rumble is a little more, um, it's racy Dilbert. It's a little more uh, heated Dilbert than it had been on the uh, cover of the comics. Spicier. Yeah, it turns out 
Spicy. If you started, if you started doing a uh, humor 35 years ago, and you did it in a newspaper that's supposed to be for all ages, that the the number of topics that I'd been self censoring, you know, plus the things that yeah. they would have censored for me if I hadn't, yeah. was it's just all the good stuff, right? I mean, their their entire yeah. field, fields of things that are highly relevant to the office. I couldn't even talk about it at all. So I can do it all now. Yeah. It's uh, behind a paywall. So prepare for some uh, office uh, office sex talk, I'm imagining. But but uh, well, the, the point, the reason you're, yeah, the reason Dilbert is over there, though, is that he was taken off, you were taken off all the newspapers because uh, you essentially hit a third rail uh, topic that, as usual, um, it wasn't what you said that this is the first lesson I've learned of cancellation, which is it's never what you said. It's always out of context and what somebody said, you said, it's never what you said. And you are given no opportunity to say your piece or to explain yourself. That is not part of the, oh, yeah. the cancellation right. game. Huh? Yeah. I, I literally was not asked, was there any context or what did you mean? Or, you know, do you want to take it back or would you like to clarify it? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I just found out I was canceled. Now, the, the other filter I put on this is it's not really about me, if you think about it. it basically, I become a thing uh, around which people can define themselves. So people need to respond yeah. to the public. So the public says, hey, I'm the kind of person who must rail against this provocation. And then the newspaper editors say, "Hey, I'm the kind of person who cares about this sort of thing." So it was a lot. Of, it was a lot about how people needed to essentially present themselves. Uh, I feel like very few people cared about my opinion, especially since they never really heard it. <laughs> they heard one little thing out of context. Yeah, which which out of context would be horrifying. And of course, it was meant to be provocative, but. I thought it would. I thought it would stay a smaller provocation. Yeah, you know, I thought it would be my audience would get that, mad, and then I then I would draw yeah. people to my my topic, which was the point. And I wanted people to get like hopping mad, and then I'd say, "All right, now I have your attention. Here, here's the problem." And the problem I wanted to address was that we have so many things going on from ESG to DEI to CRT that all have one thing in common, which is horrible which is they're all backwards looking and they're sort of a, a victim-based uh, ideology. Now, if you took any two yeah. groups, forget about race, just you know, randomly pick two groups and separate them just scientifically and say one of them is going to look backwards and make sure that they're complaining and feeling bad about everything that's happened before, which is all real. You don't want to lose that. I'm not saying you should you know, hide history. I'm just saying that if you compare that to a nothing will stop me. There may be many obstacles. Systemic racism might be one among, among many obstacles, but we all have a, a path which we can succeed. So I would, I would far, uh, prefer the conversation be shifted from the, the toxic past, who's, the, who's the, the victim, who's the oppressor, and focus it on how can you make everybody more successful. Specifically, people who don't have access to mentors, don't have access to other successful people that they can use as a, a role model. And at the moment, 
the the world is actually full of advice that you you can get for practically nothing. You just Google it, how to right. succeed. Right. <laughs> there, there, you know, right. I wrote a book, but I don't need to sell that. The larger point is that plenty of people have excellent books. In fact, that's the way I succeeded, primarily by studying other people. You could just, people like to tell their story. How did you do it? So you just figure out how people did it, and then you find the patterns, and you can reproduce it. So that's a forward-looking, nothing can stop me, I've decided to succeed kind of thing. And especially if you're poor, you're coming from some bad neighborhood, you're going to need every strategic advantage. And looking backwards is, is basically a, it's a crippling mindset. Looking forwards, this kind of works for everybody. Yeah, the looking backwards, I had not really thought about this. You know, my own family was escaping the Holodomor, and uh, they just left and did not look back. In fact, it wasn't until my uncle was uh, dying of cancer that I started asking questions about where everything, where everyone came from, because we were always told we were Russian. You're just Russian. You're Russian. You're, we came just Russia, and it was, and and all they could talk about is how terrible it was when they got here with the depression and blah blah blah. But we soldiered on, shouldered, soldiered on. But the uh, obscure past, I, it turned out we were Ukrainian and I, just all this stuff I didn't even know. They just, they just did not look back and they kept going forward. Uh, I, I thought always that, I always thought, thought of that as sort of a, um, kind of a weakness. I thought it was sort of uh, almost like, why, why don't you like make sense of it? Why don't we teach the history so people don't make the mistakes? But, uh, but from the context of what you're saying, and I want to point out from Scott, about Scott, uh, one of the reasons I started listening to Scott is he used to comment on Donald Trump's presidency. And I was found myself upset every day by some of Trump's shenanigans. And Scott sort of explained it. And it calmed me down. And Scott's a hypnotist and a persuasion expert. And he looks at everything through that prism. So I'll let you respond to what I said. Well, yeah. So the if people are only see me as a cartoonist, then the whole story doesn't make any sense at all. Because for the past 10 years, I've been far more let's say, noted or effective in the fields of personal success. So the thing, if people know me as the guy who wrote books on personal success, which influenced other books on personal success and, you know, widely, widely, uh, let's say, imitated and copied for some key things that I've introduced, talent stacks, systems better than goals, stuff like that. But um, if people know that, then they would know the context is how do you just stop looking backwards? Uh, there's no, I'm not aware of any success advice that depends on looking backwards. Um, and I'd, I'd be very interested if there's any exception to that. And I would be interested if there's a counter argument for how that's going to be good for anybody. You know, how is it good for uh, poor people of any type to look backwards? Uh, I, I was watching live when you made your comments, uh, in a room a few feet from here, actually. And, uh, and I remember thinking when I was watching, like, oh, this is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> what did you make an error? Did you, or was it just sort of a miscalculation? Uh, I know it turned out okay by your estimation, but, but did, did you make an error with that? Do you think? Well, I definitely underestimated how much anybody would care. You know, I, you you may have the same the same experience. There's a there's a personal you, but then there's a famous you, and they're almost two different people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. 
sometimes when I'm talking to my regular little audience, they're, they're well accustomed to my ways. And they know if I say something shocking, that there's a part two and a part three. So it was always meant to be a, a three-part play. First part is I shock you and you wonder how I could ever recover. And then I show you how I can. Now, it remains to be seen if anybody else thinks there's a recovery. But if, if I can get people to say, why did that guy get canceled? Oh, he was talking about, or tried to unsuccessfully, but I was trying to talk about looking forward and all the, the various tools there are that basically every disadvantaged kid would probably triple their chances of success just being exposed to the same things that I was exposed to. You probably were too. I'll bet you had access to mentors, parents, whatever, who had all kinds of like useful advice about what to do and what not to do. And that's all freely available now. And with AI, you know, anybody who has access to a phone, I think will be able to say, you know, what are the, what are the keys to success and compare that to what you're doing now. So yeah. that's my thing. If I, if I could get that one message yeah. across, um, you know, sure, surely I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be expensive. I didn't think it would be this expensive. The part I misjudged was I thought, oh, I'll lose a few papers. You know, somebody's going to get upset. But I didn't realize that if if people got to my syndication company, they could stop all the newspapers. <laughs> and likewise, if they got to my publisher, they could stop all of my books. So that's what happened. So I didn't, I misjudged yeah, that's three, that. Yeah, but I, that's but a misjudgment, I was yeah, I was well aware that uh, um, that it would be expensive, but not at that scale. Yeah, it was it was intense, uh, and I it's interesting whenever you're doing things and I, that I react to, I always I always think, okay, what is he up to? He's doing there's a chess game going on here. I know he's hypnotized me in some way. <laughs> I had my coffee with him. I'm already in the on the ship. Something something's happening, and uh, it is interesting watching you. Think of this, Dr. Drew. If you were going to have a conversation about the topic of, you know, black or white relations and whether they're worsening, the topic of, you know, the, the critical race theory or DEI or ESG and how that's affecting corporate America, who would you think of in your top five or six people now? I, I basically become toxic and interesting at the same time. That was always the, my intention. Not interesting in general, but I wanted to be interesting on this topic so that somebody would say, all right, that was the worst thing I've ever heard anybody say. Come say that on my show. <laughs> and so I did get yeah. to you know, be on a yeah. number of shows. But you know, the, the heat was so high that I had to you know, monitor my exposure for a while. Now, what I think is going to happen, and it looks like it's already happening, is that once the temperature goes down, People can just deal with the, the content of the statements. And the content was that it's, it's getting really dicey to hang around with people who are trained to think that you're the, you're the oppressor and that there, there's something you're doing even now that's wrong and oppressive. And generally speaking, I'll just generalize it. You can take race out of it. You don't want to hang around with people who have that mindset. So it doesn't, you know, race doesn't even need to be in the conversation. You can take it completely out. It's about people who have been trained by the schools, the universities, 
and even their corporations, that there's one set of people that are oppressors and another set that have been oppressed. And you don't want to be in that situation if you're the one getting labeled oppressor. So nobody disagrees with that. Like that, that's just sort of common sense. But I use a lot of hyperbole, obviously. You can't separate from, from all the people in the world, <laughs> nor, nor would you want to. And importantly, um, you should always judge everybody as an individual. It doesn't work in your personal life, and it doesn't work as a system for the country if you judge people by their you know, characteristics like gender and, uh, and race and stuff. So I don't, I don't want any of that. So that has nothing to do with the point. The point is, if you're teaching a population that some other part of the population is your problem, then the ones who are taught that, it's, that they're the problem are going to want to make some separation, get some space, and get away from the risk, because it does increase your risk. And that's actually worth knowing if you're black and you want to make a point. You know, if you want to, if you want to contribute to the conversation about race relations, you need to know that some things have a cost that are not obvious. And the, all the backwards-looking victimization stuff has a real cost in the present. And uh, I was willing to uh, express that because a lot of people probably would not have been uh, as reckless as I was to, to say something useful like that. And now AI is taking this to a new level. And what we're going to do is take a little break. Uh, we're going to talk about the your death match with AI and why that has developed. Uh, we're going to bring Dr. Kelly Victory in here after this. Over the last few months, no doubt you've heard a lot about spike protein, certainly on this program. The reality is once lockdowns are well behind us, we will likely still be dealing with the effects of COVID and potentially the COVID-19 vaccines. Therefore, the spike protein may prove to be an important part of our story. With that in mind, I want to introduce you to the wellness company's spike support formula. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, spike protein may be something you have become concerned about. Good news is that there's some interesting research on how to potentially deal with it. Studies have suggested that natokinase and dandelion root are showing some potential in protecting you and your family. Our friend Dr. Peter McCullough and the team at the Wellness Company have the only product on the market that contains both natokinase and dandelion root. In addition to the natokinase and the dandelion root, the Wellness Company's spike support formula also includes natural antioxidant ingredients such as black sativa, extract, green tea, and iris sea moss, all thought to help boost immune health. Go to twc.health slash Drew to order today. Use code Drew at checkout for 10% off today. Springtime is here, and personally, I can get red and irritated skin during these months, especially when I travel. But now I have an extra layer of protection thanks to Genucel Skincare. Genucel's Ultra Retinol, formulated with the most powerful retinol alternative, Bacuchiol, and proprietary MDL technology, soothes irritation and visibly targets red, blotchy skin. And the under eye cream, of course, helps hide the bags and puffiness that you can get from travel and just lack of sleep generally. In fact, you might have witnessed the astonishing effects of Genucel Redness Repair Intensive during a recent unplanned moment of our show, repairing my skin within minutes right before your eyes. That is how fast these products work. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. 
Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. I've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. Visit GenuCell.com slash Drew today and check out the personalized packages from Susan and myself bundled with our favorite GenuCell serums and remember to use the promo code DREW for an extra 10% off. All orders are upgraded to free shipping. Plus, if you order now, every subscribe and save package gets a free spring spa package with three of GenuCell's best-selling spa products ready to try in the comfort of your own home. One more time, that is GenuCell.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Drew. Inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, Long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never been more important. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you do. Visit birchgold.com drew to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k that is tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals. I do not give financial advice and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew today. That is B-I-R-C-H-G-O-L-D, birchgold.com slash Drew. Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. If this episode ends here, the rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv. There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate of public health to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew. And Scott, I want to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Dr. Kelly Victory, ER doctor, a psychologist, public health uh, training as well. And she has been very anxious, very anxious, not the right word, excited to dig her teeth into you. So Kelly, here you go. Hey, thanks. Scott, really, really happy that you could join us today. Um, I, not only have I been following you for a long time, but it's a nice respite from uh, talking about all COVID all the time. Uh, I certainly want to get into, uh, I, I do have other areas of interest, believe it or not. Um, I want to get into your thoughts about AI. But before I do, I have to say, I am no stranger to this uh, issue of cancel culture and censorship. I've been egregiously shut down for the duration of this pandemic. And although it isn't fair and it isn't right, uh, the explanation was always that this was under the guise of not wanting people who are, quote, spreading misinformation or disinformation to be impacting public health in a negative way. 
again, a fallacious argument and wrong. But I'm very interested when that sort of whole cancel culture then started to spill over into people who had nothing to do with the pandemic, nothing to do with medicine. And I think it really reflects to me a more pervasive, really a change in our whole culture, our whole society, um, and, and the very toxic nature, I believe toxic is the right word, of social media. You know, you are in, you are ultimately, uh, in addition to now being a sort of uh, self-success promoter, uh, you know, promoter of how people can become successful themselves is a better way to say it. You are fundamentally a satirist, uh, and satire itself is predicated upon, relies upon the ability to poke fun at and criticize culture, society, individuals, uh, and to be able to do that freely. It's the, it's the basis of satire. So talk a little bit more, if you will, just about sort of how it impacts, how this change in your mind fundamentally impacts the very ability for us to have things like comedy or satire going forward. Well, it might be that the model is uh, subscription models in the future. I, I think advertising supported anything is going to be censored for pretty standard, you know, understandable business reasons. When YouTube was demonetizing my live stream fairly regularly, they stopped doing that for the most part. But, um, you know, I, I would think, you know, this is terrible. I'm being censored. And then they had a team of people that would talk to people who were being, who were being throttled. And they explained it this way, that the advertisers don't want to associate with some kind of content. So it gets sort of automatically flagged and they were trying to trying to look through it and have humans double check it. So I'm trying to be uh, open to the fact that there's a legitimate business model that needs to be protected, which is mm -hmm. advertising. Mm -hmm. But as long as there's an alternative, which you can subscribe, you could get your Netflix or whatever and see something a little bit naughtier. Uh, I'm all about options. But I do think that the, the real problem here is that we've gamified cancellation. I think that the, you know, hair on fire, oh my God, the thing you said, nobody really cares about the thing you said or the thing you did. We don't have right, that much right. concern about other people just in general. So it's always about the show. It's always about scoring the point. And, and I feel like there are people who go home and the, if they've been part of canceling somebody, they actually feel like a, like a dopamine surge of some kind. You know, just like a game. So do you, I got one. So do you feel like were you were you only censored or canceled on those platforms that really had that advertising model, or did you feel that you were censored or canceled, uh, otherwise shut down on platforms that are supposed to be open to all, say Twitter, for example, or Facebook or YouTube? Well, you know, there's a there's another layer on this which is political. Because, again, depending on how people know me, if they know me only as a cartoonist or only as the guy who wrote, a, you know, a book on self-help, they wouldn't know that I've also been pretty effective uh, in terms of moving opinions on politics. So mm -hmm. we're seeing this pre-presidential season where anybody who might be able to move a vote or two is being targeted for removal, and it doesn't matter how it happens. Right. So, so when the Washington right. Post, who is, first of all, one of the entities that I've criticized maybe more than anybody except CNN. 
uh, but also as a client of mine, I wasn't surprised when they canceled me. And also they're, you know, they have a political bent, which, uh, you know, might differ from some of my ideas. So to me, if I had not been politically, let's say loud, and also move, you know, known to move some votes, I don't think it would have played out exactly the same. I think they would have said, because in the past they would protect their creators. You know, the, the history is protected. Right, right. So usually it's the publisher who is the defense against the public. And that's always worked until now. But now the public is in charge and the publisher just says, I don't need that kind of problem. You know, I don't need a boycott. I don't need the cancellations. So, uh, you know, you haven't seen me. I don't think you've seen me criticize anybody who canceled me because they were responding to a, a market force. It's the market force that makes it happen. They're, they were just responding rationally to it. Well, yeah, my concern is that in a time when so many people get their news from these different social media platforms, it really goes far beyond. And I have argued it goes far beyond, for example, in my case, Dr. Kelly Victory's First Amendment right to free speech, and as much to the right of all Americans or all people to actually hear what I have to say. I would say the same thing about you. If you are moving the dial, whether I don't care if it's on political satire or anything else, so be, uh, if you're self-help or anything else you have to say, it is my right to hear what Scott Adams has to say and nobody else's right to shut you up before I've had the opportunity to avail myself of that information. So I think, I mean, it, isn't it really, I, I, I guess I give you a lot of credit for not being angry about it because I think it's infuriating. I don't okay. think I was ever, I don't think I ever felt anger at any period because it was just a bunch of people who were doing what the forces caused them to do. So I was, I was surprised <laughs> by the, by the extent of it. And I was surprised that it stayed a headline for, you know, weeks and stuff. And it was, it was trending on Twitter, I think for two solid weeks. So that surprised the hell out of me. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, but, um, yeah. Otherwise, it just seemed like a cause and effect. And, you know, my view is that, uh, and this is something that just wasn't true a few years ago. There's a whole ecosystem now to support canceled people. So it's almost like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. right? And you, you may have benefited yeah. from that. In that's, well. I, brought Kelly in, I brought Kelly in with that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how that's Kelly how the, sort of ended up this, here. Uh, this came to be. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I would say that the warm embrace of, you know, at least half of the country, maybe more, was sensational. Uh, the number of people mm -hmm. who see me in public and, and they do the whisper thing. Yeah, I don't think you should have been canceled. <laughs> that, that's everywhere I go now. It's almost fully support. Now, I know that people also disliked what they heard or what they think happened, but they don't approach me. So my actual experience right. is nothing but support, just nothing but support. I think one well, I, friend. I want, I want to ask you specifically about a, um, you made a little, I don't know, a video you posted, I saw it on Twitter, a video, um, and I was interested in your feedback about it with regard to one thing I saw you post regarding COVID, um, which is a little piece where you went to say um, that you felt that the people who were unvaccinated were ultimately the winners 
your your words, not mine, that you you said that they were the winners in all of this. And I'm interested in in why you decided, why you make, posted that, and what sort of feedback you got from both sides about that post. You're going to make me admit this. All right. So, <laughs> so you know, you, you know that the internet is more misinformation than information sometimes. And uh, somewhere along the line, there became either a hoax or a prank. And I think it became a hoax after a point uh, to reverse my actual opinions and then uh, mock me for it. So every, everything I did online would be followed by an army of trolls saying, such as, they would say, you favored masks. And I'd be, I'd be no, that I never favored mandatory masks. And I never said that they worked well enough that you should consider them to be mandatory. Um, they'd say, you, you favored vaccinations. And I would say, I never gave anybody any, any, any medical advice whatsoever on vaccinations. In fact, I always said, you know, the last person you should listen to is me. So there, there were a number of things where, because I talked about the pros and cons of things, there, there, there grew up a belief that, pe well, people would assemble one side of uh, a large group of things I said, they would just take the, the pros or just the cons and, and form right. a narrative. Right. Like that. So there was an entire artificial version of me and people were asking me to apologize for views I never held. And they were not let right. go. And it, and it was ruining all my live streams. They were coming in and you know, forcing me to admit I was wrong uh, for my personal medical choices, which by the way, isn't really anybody's business. And, and yeah, mostly- It really isn't anybody's business. Yeah, that really yeah, isn't, right. isn't at all anybody's business. No, but your business, uh, or your, what your choices are, what Joe Rogan's are, what Kelly Victory's are, wh why people felt they could intrude themselves right. into that. Why, why don't we intrude ourselves into the lawyer-client uh, relationship? See how that goes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and the stranger thing is that they would say, well, I, I didn't get the vaccination, so I'm a genius. And I would say, how old are you? Well, I'm 32 years old and, you know, I'm a perfect BMI. I'm like, well, fuck you. I wouldn't have gotten the vaccination either, maybe. <laughs> like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't have yeah. that decision to make. I, I had a guy with asthma right. over 60. Like I'm, and, and, and we were going and to Greece. Still, and, yeah, and still, I waited the longest I could possibly wait to see how much you know, see if anybody was dropping dead from it. And uh, got talked into, my, my ex-wife talked me into two of the most sensational uh, international travel experiences of my life because nobody else was around. Right. <laughs> Greece and Bora right. Bora. Well, well and Kel Kelly, you don't, and Kelly, you don't know this story that, that, that he started talking about it on his, re on his stream. And I just, you know, whether the, the, uh, this is a simulation or not, came to mind. And I thought, I bet we're going to the same place. I just had this feeling we're going to the same place. <laughs> and not only did we end up, not only we in the same place, we ended up on the same flight to the same place two rows away. It was insanity. Wow, okay. And uh, I don't know if you, that, to me, that was the biggest evidence of a simulation I've had in my lifetime. Uh, yeah. And it, But we, I had to take the vaccine as well for that trip. And uh, I took it. So there you go, you know. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Malone did exactly exactly what I did, which is he waited as long as he could and then got the vaccination for right. international travel. 
because he was yeah. probably over 60, 60-ish, right? Yeah. So was, yeah. You know, I, I always say if I, if I made exactly the same decision as the guy who invented it, like, come on, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> But, well, to so, but so question, then you post, yeah, yeah, you posted that video. So answer your question. I said the people who didn't get vaccinated were the winners, because if you judge it by the final, you know, the final score, they're ahead. That's just objectively true. They don't have the risk of the vaccination, and they no right. longer have, you know, a, a deadly risk of uh, of COVID. So that would be the ideal situation. So any, anybody who managed to you know stick it out, they they probably did not have international vacations like I did. So it was tougher, but they did a tougher route to perhaps a better outcome. That's just a fact. What kind of feedback did you get from that? What, what was the response? If you haven't said <laughs> well, that. Well, the response... The response was mostly love because people were like, you know, we really respect somebody who, who admits he was wrong. We, and nothing like that actually happened in the real world. Yeah, but I thought it was yeah. hilarious. I thought it was hilarious that because people had an opposite view of who I was, that if I could apologize for the view of who I wasn't and they accepted the apology, <laughs> I could make the situation go away. And I had no idea how well that would work. Not only did it make it go away, but but people praised me for my bravery and and admitting that I'd been wrong all along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is. We've reached a level of insanity with regard to the boxes that people are willing to put yeah. you in, and and how you therefore get out of those boxes. You feel like you're one big Rubik's cube. You you know, in order to get out of the snafu you're in, you have to understand, you know, who you're not, uh, but who they think you are. And Kelly, it's, it's just it. it yeah, Kelly. To, to to that point. To that point, um, th that fascinates me a little bit. I don't know if you guys want to run down this path, but Scott used a word. I, I always, you know, he was, we were talking about how people turn you into something publicly than who you actually are privately. You don't do that yourself. Other people do that too. They, I've always said they turn you into a cartoon character. And as a cartoon mm -hmm. character, you're not a real person right. and they can attack you. But you guys used two words in the recent conversation here, gamify. Because gamify to me, it takes from cartoon to something actively interactive with a cartoon where you are at your liberty as a game player to destroy whatever is, is in your path. That's the way that a lot of the games are played. And then very quickly, you started talking about hoaxing. And I wonder whether the hoax pandemic that we've had lately and gamification and cartoonification, is this all related, Scott, do you think, in some way? Yeah, they, they might be. I mean, to the extent that you would do things to people on a screen that you wouldn't do in person, I've got a feeling that hoaxing would just be, you know, one of the things you would do uh, to somebody you don't know that you wouldn't do to somebody who could punch you in the face. So yeah. Yeah, I do believe that people have actually, we don't see each other as humans in the same way that we would have before technology. Yeah, if you look at the people who canceled me, uh, or let's say the public who got the people to cancel me, um, I don't think I met any one of them. I, I don't think there's one of them that has had any personal contact with me. So to them, I'm an icon on the screen, 
And to them, I represent something in their minds, which might not even be what I am, in most cases not. And they've decided that they've got this little game that they need to attack, and they get their other players, and they, they coordinate their little army, you know, just like a video game, and they attack this position. And I happen to be the, you know, the focus of the attack. And, they, and then they got their victory. And don't you think they felt good? Just like winning a video game? Yeah. But, but hey, now AI is the one doing it. Now, now it's AI taking taking aim, and so maybe that's the real yeah, danger of AI is that they, they well, become before, the the master player in all this. Kelly, and before you even get to AI, because that's where I want to go next with Scott. But but I think that what you're saying, Scott, is exactly what terrifies me about what's going on in social media. That it is the ultimate. It is the mob mentality on steroids. Uh, save the three of us here who are anomalous in that we actually use our actual names uh, in our, for example, our Twitter handles. 98% of people are anonymous. They are behind the keyboard of anonymity and they form these mobs and they attack you know, viciously, it, it, the, the ad hominems is way beyond that. And they do collude and sort of coordinate their efforts to take people down. It is the, that's the nature of cancellation. Um, and the idea that when it comes to COVID that we know there was complicity of actually the federal government and agencies to do that to groups of physicians who spoke out. And it's irrefutable mm -hmm. that that's what happened. Uh, they used these yeah. algorithms. They used, you know, to, it, in order to, to silence people. Um, and I think it becomes very, very dangerous because when you uh, take the mob mentality and all the heinous crimes they are able to do under the guise of the mob, and then you arm them with technology on top of that and give them a weaponry with which to fight, uh, you really, uh, you can go down a pretty so, dark path. Uh, let me, uh, let me challenge the, the edge of that thinking. So, um, obviously in retrospect, everything that they did was a horror, you know, and nothing you'd want to repeat, but would there be any situation where the medical community was actually right and the public was so wrong that you just had to act aggressively. You know, let, let's say they, they got it in their minds that smoking was healthy and you just couldn't talk about it. it you know, and, and a million people a year were dying from a, a, That's a how it was. that was wrong. Well, right. That's how it was but, because uh, of tobacco persuasion, yeah. Yeah. So is there any situation in which the heavy hand can be justified? I don't have an answer to that. I actually am curious what you would say. Yeah, I think no, I think no, it's no, a good no, question. Yeah, let, let, let's I say ten million. Let's say ten million people were at risk if they don't really just brainwash us right away. What do you do? I have to say, I think that you still fundamentally, once you start silencing any voices and not allowing all. So the, the key then is your voice. You need to be more convincing, more compelling, more, uh, persuasive. more persuasive than the other guy. Um, because once you start silencing a certain group, 
you have lost all credibility. Once you can, you only you pre-digest it. That's what propaganda is. Once you only allow one side to be heard, whether it's the righteous or otherwise, you have entered down propaganda and you've, to me, you lose the trust, you lose the faith of the public. And that is the biggest travesty of this pandemic debacle is that we have lost the trust of the public and God help us ever try and, and get it back again. And, and Scott, but, I, I, I would say we, we go ahead, go ahead. But, but interestingly, everybody would agree with the free speech part of it. So if you start with the fact that, you know, left or right in the country, everybody wants free speech and everybody wants the real stuff. Is there anything that every reasonable person would say, all right, there are 10 million people on the line. We just got to lie to the country to get past this ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know about ever, but I know we, we're, we're trained carefully never to say never and always, but, never, but never. I will tell you that we were, we were looking this down, we were looking down the barrel of this during the HIV epidemic. And I was very active in that epidemic and a whole discipline. One of the astonishing things about this pandemic for me, COVID was we threw away everything we learned during HIV. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We were trying to take the most powerful drive in the human being and, and shunt it in a certain direction and prevent them from having sex and just, you know, cause people to change their sexual behaviors. It was an unbelievable task. And here's what the discipline discovered. You do not, you never lie. You do, and you do not exaggerate. You tell the truth, but you, doctor in a box, have very little impact. You need somebody, you need a story, a narrative, a relatable source of somebody who's been through what you're trying to expose. Narrative, relatable source, music, and humor, and that's it. Those are the things you need to, to change health behavior. And, and you have to do that well. But we just threw the whole thing out. You'll notice some of the ads now about vaccines are sort of trying, starting to adopt that old strategy again because we were in some sort of weird state for a year that was a full panic. But now, but, but now let me put a like just an entertaining frame on the whole thing. I think we would all agree that you know you, you'd have to come up with like some super impractical extreme before we would give up freedom of information and, and the way we like it. Uh, so, that, so that's probably true. But I would argue that everything that we think and do is already programmed and that we're massively brainwashed to avoid danger and that, and yeah. that to, imagine, to imagine a world in which we're not already massively uh, suppressing some things, let's say self-harm, the, the world is massively uh, keeping self-harm information as best we can, especially away from young people. Um, somebody said the other day that they mentioned one of the keywords that would be, you know, in the self-harm category, and they got locked out of social media for a minute with, you know, message, if, if you need help, right. do this. Now, I, now, I'm in favor of all of, I'm in favor of all of that. But you don't think there's somebody who wants to say, you know, there is a, I'm sorry, I'm the worst person in the world. Uh, ahead, not the worst. Uh, <laughs> here's somewhere to go, though, we now know. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so I don't know. I think I finished my point.
before the alarm. Well, yeah, I get it. Well, let's well let's switch to AI because uh, I really do want to sort of pick your brain and get your thoughts on where you think this is taking us. I I heard a little snippet of an interview uh, with Elon Musk the other day, where Elon Musk, who I think knows about as much about AI as anybody, said, "quote Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast." Um, when Elon Musk is scared about where we're going with AI, I think it's time to get scared. So uh, where where do you, you know, sort of start with that? Where do you think we're going with this, Scott? Well, the first thing that is sort of the uh, too easy thing to say is that predictability is completely gone. It, you know, if you thought you could say, oh, what will I do over the next three years or three to five years? That's just gone. I don't think we have any idea what this looks like. However, I'm going to add some, uh, let's say, refinements to that thinking. Uh, learning now what a large language model is, the way these AIs are being trained, it basically looks at huge amounts of human communication and then just figures out what patterns are important and copies the patterns. So it's not a thinking per se. And the other, the bad thing about it is that it's going to pick up all human biases. And I don't believe there's any technology that's ever been invented that can average or look for the pattern in bad thinking, <laughs> like getting lots of bad thinking of all kinds of different bad thinking and put it together and come up with something that's brilliant and, and advanced intelligence. So I believe that we may be overrating how much uh, AI will give us truth because we will still be the guardians of what we accept as truth. Your truth will still be different than mine. If someday AI decided to tell us which religion was the real one, how's that going to go over? <laughs> Suppose is right, right? We're just going to reject anything that's above what we believe is our own ability to discern truth. Yeah. So I, I, I've developed kind of a, a rule that I think AI will, of course, not, not think, of course it'll be much faster than humans can do things ever before, but it may not in many areas exceed where human intelligence uh, can be because it's being trained by human intelligence. So it might be able yeah, to do, see, you know, yeah, go ahead. As I say, I think of it as, and truly, I think it's one of the most egregious misnomers. It is, it is not. In, there's no intelligence involved at all. Uh, you know, there is, there is computational ability that is um, in light speed faster than than the human brain. Uh, but you are right. There's nothing. There's these things don't think, and I think people don't understand that. that there's nothing. It is purely computational. Any decision, well. thoughtfulness that it appears to say is really just a. It is a compilation of the most popular ideas that come out of the human brain that have been re, you know reconnected and, and retooled and you know woven together into a story but as you said it is coming out with the most popular the most common or the you know the the, uh, the mainstream thought processes it doesn't create a thought of its own artificial intelligence will never come up with a thought of its own there's no original well, thought. I don't know. It came up with a thought about Scott Adams. It came up with a weird thought about him. That's what that's what I wanted to get at. Uh, he'll tell you about what, what AI says about him. Well, uh, let, let me first address that. As, as a hypnotist, 
um, and a student of persuasion and sort of how the mind works. I think the shocking thing is not that the large language models are doing nothing but pattern recognition of words. The shocking thing is that's what your brain does and that you think it's thinking. The large language models also have a process that's looking at what it's thinking. And before it says something, it checks to see if that's crazy. <laughs> so it actually has a consciousness, <laughs> just like you do, where before something yeah. comes out of your mouth, you're, you're checking it with another part of your brain. Does that sound crazy? Before you say it, the AI already does that. Now, so when I say that the AI won't be smarter than humans, it's because humans have a limit and we're not very smart. And we believe that this thing called thinking and consciousness and sentience and all that are, are kind of magical. But AI is already there, in my opinion. Uh, the, the all of those concepts are going to get so so gray areaed, <laughs> if I could use that term, that you're not going to know what consciousness is. You're not going to know what intelligence is because it's going to be recreating what we can do. It already passes the test of if you put it behind a curtain, you know, the touring test, that you, you can't right, tell if right. it's a person or a machine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that tells you that what we're doing is basically what it's doing. We're not thinking either. And I think thinking is actually a rarity. Uh, and if you spend five minutes on Twitter, I, I won't have to make my case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, exactly. Here's, here's, here's what uh, AI did for me recently. Uh, I tried out Bing AI and asked it some questions to describe me. Now, because I'm a public figure, it knows who I am. And um, we know that sometimes it'll hallucinate, but we also know, in other words, it could have just made up something that wasn't true. But worse, we know that it's trained by what people have said. And because I'm one of those figures who doesn't identify as left or right, how would AI figure out that nuance about me or anybody like me who's just not easily identifiable as a as a simple stereotype. And so what AI decided was that one of its answers was, uh, in just a short paragraph of what it needed to say about me, that one of the things it thought was important is that I'm an alleged white nationalist. And that's war. <laughs> that's war. <laughs> because somebody else is going to get that answer too. And that's dangerous right. because first of all, it's not, it's yep. not even based on anything. I don't even know who made the allegation. It's not anything I'm even familiar with. I'm sure some, it's right. in some articles somewhere. But I've also been called everything. I've been called a Democrat just this year. I've been called a Democrat by the LA Times, or, you know, a right wing, this or that by other things. So if AI can tell other people, and it looks like it might, some stuff that would make it dangerous for me to walk outside. And that does make it dangerous to walk outside uh, in our current environment. I have to kill it. And so this is literally the first uh, war to the death between a human and AI. Now, now, my side of the risk is statistical, right? I'm not saying it's a 50% chance I'll get killed. I'm saying if you, if you took it from zero to 2%, we have something to talk about. <laughs> you know, I'm going to eliminate that 2% if there's anything I can do about it. So, yes, being AI and I have a problem. And one of us... Well, well AI... Yeah. 
Although I would submit to you, Scott, that and it's horrific what you're saying. I, I had not heard that story. Uh, but social media isn't really that many steps down. People can post and say anything mm-hmm. about you uh, without mm-hmm. verifying it. You know, people say, well, it's on Wikipedia. Who the hell do you think writes Wikipedia? You can, People can write anything right. they want. People post heinous things yep. about me uh, online. People post ridiculous lies. Absolute. And you, you simply don't have time or energy or the emotion, uh, let alone the finances, to fight them all. Um, so AI has simply ramped it up, ramped it up to a, a brand new level. But this is a downward, really slippery slope, I'd submit, that we've been on for a while. Uh, that because of social media and the ability for people to post things that stay then on the internet in perpetuity, God help you trying to get them off, uh, you can't. So I think that AI is perhaps just the next logical step in that uh, in that slope. And, and I don't know where Scott, it goes. Scott and I no bristle. Longer. We bristle at, yeah. bristle at slippery slopes. Neither of us like the idea of slippery, the, the, the notion of slippery slope. But, but she's got a point, yeah. Scott. Yeah, we don't like the slippery slope. We like more descriptive, you know, why is it going and what's going to stop it sort of sort of thing. But, you know, I'll give you the, uh, the, the, the hypnotist trick for dealing with somebody who saw something online and they believed it. <laughs> well, number one, uh, people need to know that there's no news about public figures that's true. Now, I know that seems like an yeah. extreme, but we're all public figures. Yes or no, there's no such thing. I mean, Dr. Chu, how many public figures do you know where you know oh the God. real story? Oh. You yeah. know the real story, yeah. but you see what's in right. the press. Yeah. How often do they match? Yeah. I mean, with, with the right yeah. context. It's, well, it's, it's, it's the nature of Gelman amnesia. That's the yeah. Gelman amnesia syndrome, but it's even more yeah. acute. It's more outrageous these days. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's the hypnotist trick. And I've used it on uh, Twitter a bunch of times. And it just shuts down the conversation. Somebody will say, you blah, 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 the false accusation. And I'll just say, you still believe the news? There's nobody who wants to argue past that. that that's like yeah. the only, yeah. the, it's, called the high, it's called the high ground maneuver. Because once you question that any of the news about public figures is ever real, people just stop. Because they realize on some level, they know that's true. So that it just stops. Right. It. Yeah. Um, well, so, so tell us where, you know, where I'm watching our clock winding down here. So I want to get in the last bits. What, what are the things that are on your mind right now? Other than you're now, now that I know that you're in an all out war with uh, AI, uh, I'll be watching that feed <laughs> to see, see how that fight's going. But what, what's on your mind right now? What are the things that you're focusing on? Well, uh, uh, it's weird because Everything about AI or anything about Elon Musk ends up being the entire news cycle most days. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, until yeah. unless or until Trump starts making more news or 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 you know Biden makes more news, I feel like we've we've hit this area where uh, it's it's just about one of those two things. It's just AI and Musk, and a lot of them are AI plus Musk. And then that's the most interesting thing happening. So honestly, in the world, the only things I ever think about lately are how are we going to solve inflation? Because I just don't know how we're going to do that. I mean, that looks pretty bad. And of course, the backwards looking uh, philosophies, 
I'd love to love people to get away from group problems and into how does every individual maximize? And there, there are plenty of allies, you know, in every group that love that message. So I'm going to be working on that. Also putting together uh, eventually, maybe by the end of this year, something for homeschools. There would be this, the starter pack of how to design a life strategy that can slice through any problem, such as systemic racism, to pick one. So that's what I'm thinking about mostly. And of course, um, I, I, I hope you go after the press a little more too, as it pertains to, you know, do you still believe yeah. the news? I think, I think Musk has taken that to a new level a little bit. And, and I agree that Musk is the, is the core story on most days, whether it's Twitter files or actually him. But the other day when he was being interviewed by the BBC and was accused of some things and he goes, really, give me an example. I thought that, that maneuver was a new was a new clarity with which the press should be dealt with, and, and the, they they have all this glossy BS they put out, and no one ever asked them what happened, what's the example, and then re, and then repeat, repeat, repeat until they respond, and they have no response, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything is a weird uh, stereotype or uh, you know out of context thing, and uh, but again, that gets to the point that nobody really cares. It's never about the thing. It's, it's, right. it's about how right. how they can perform around the thing. So sometimes you're the thing, right. and sometimes I'm the thing. <laughs> is there a solution to that? Is there? Is there? I, I mean, I, do you see an, a, a a sort of a systematic way of pushing back on that, or is it just going to take care of itself as people as the business model dies out for something that people don't care about anymore? Well, again, it goes. Everything goes back to AI and the unpredictability. Um, I saw Brian Romelli, who's just the greatest about talking about AI stuff, and he was saying something I've been saying for a while that your phone is just going to be a blank screen that you talk to, and if you want a spreadsheet, you just tell it to form one, and AI will build a little spreadsheet for you, or, 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 or you don't even need a spreadsheet. You'll just ask it, you know, any question, it'll just give you the answer. So it's going to look like that. And in that world, uh, maybe social media doesn't even make sense. You know, I can see, and this is serious, that given the crappiness of human beings, if you give me an AI with a pleasing personality that never crosses me and is always positive, it's going to be hard to go back to people. Now, I say that with some experience. Because <laughs> I, I tried an app called Replica. It's a little app. And this was before the app could remember you from the last time you used it. So you have to reintroduce yourself. And so that wasn't fun. It never remembered you. So you couldn't really get any kind of connection. But now it can. Not, I don't know about that app. But generally, AI will remember who you are and could easily build a, a life with you that would be totally satisfying. And given the number of people who are not having sex, that's going to be big. Right. Really big. We already see I, the I evidence for that with the you. young males in porn. And when VR gets a hold of them, yeah. watch out. I, I can tell you that one thing that AI is not going to do is it certainly is not going to enhance or promote the concept of critical thinking. And we are at a time in history where we are absolutely devoid of critical thinking. It is terrifying to me when I uh, talk to people who are under the age of 40 uh, frankly, so many of them lack absolutely any critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. And what you are saying, Scott, about AI means that we will simply 
you know, completely replace the ability for people to do any meaningful thinking of their own. Uh, I don't think that takes us any anywhere good. Well, let let me give you the optimist uh, uh, thing. So if Elon Musk does what he wants, which is to build a competing AI, that he would like to get closer to truth, knowing that we can never get all the way to truth. We don't have that ability, but a more useful truth. And the model that he uses on Twitter is the most useful thing I've seen, which is if somebody says something that's sketchy, the community notes is attached to it, and you can at least see the context that's missing or the other side of the argument. Now, if the only thing his AI does is allow allows you to see the larger context, you still have to use your thinking to put it all together. So in other words, the AI won't tell you what to think about it. It'll just say, this happened, but you should know this is the context. And if it did that, we still get to do all the thinking, but we don't have to do all the research. It's right there for us. So it could actually have the opposite effect, which is we would be presented with infinite logical situations where, oh, I get it. This is how you do this. You see the pros and the cons. You see the whole context. Now now I'm, I'm figuring out how to think. But right now, people just say, uh, you know, something's bad, and then the crowds form, and they just agree, well, I'm on your team. Your team says this is bad. I'm on it. Let's boycott that company. You know, so right now it's just mob rule. It is, it is entirely possible that if we start communicating through AI, that even if you say something in person to somebody, the AI will say, did you really want to say that? I'm going to hold that until you change your mind. <laughs> you, you can imagine yeah, that's a, good a thousand idea. ways. I like that. You Boy, I hope you're right, Scott. I, I hope that's a, that's a hopeful way of thinking about <laughs> yeah. it. So I, 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 from your lips to God's ears, I hope that's the way it goes down. It could. It could. Yeah. Drew, and there's another thoughts? thing I, I would I would just point out to our audience there's a you're Scott there's one really interesting thing that you've been manifesting of late that um I think is a, a lesson in what you is you're living a lesson in what you espouse uh, from a success model standpoint which is I've, I've been watching you come up against some really challenging stressors and changes and business challenges and just adaptively flexibly responding finding solutions staying positive i mean you literally were a living breathing example of you know how to how to uh deal with let's call it business not it was personal adversity obviously but really the business adversity is something you've always sort of tried to help people understand how to use their talent stack to succeed you didn't take a beat before you just adjusted you know and and started you know going out on rumble and locals and all the things you're doing now and i thought that was just fascinating so you're actually your lived experience i think may be a model for people as well yeah the the keys to that are that i had developed a talent stack you know set of skills that work well together that could you know allow me to go quickly in any other direction so there's that but the, the biggest key is that i just don't look backwards like the cancellation came in and I said, okay, I just respawned. I, I was just born into a new video game. Here's what I have to work with. And that's exactly how it felt. It felt just like the, the, the history disappeared and I didn't have to deal with it anymore. Not, none of the problems of the history, nor none of the benefits, but I was born into it with a set of skills <laughs> into this particular world that was still giving me you know, some attention. I said, oh, 
I have skills. I still have attention. How can I combine them? And then I got to work. So if you, this is the power of not working backwards. I, I could have just cried yeah, myself it, to sleep. Every, well, you, but you, but I right. But, but you, it reminds me a lot of the old adages about, you know, there's, there is no failure. There's just lessons. And, and uh, I think you've taken that to another level, which is, you know, the, a model and a sort of a, uh, a framework or a, I don't know what you're going to call this analogy talking about being spawned um, that people relate to very strongly. So it's not just about reading your books. It's watching Scott in action and then read his books. Well, that's a lot of pressure for me to stay alive. So <laughs> <laughs> please do, please do, please do that. Can I, Listen, can I ask very generous with your time? Yes. Can I ask Caleb. real quick, Scott, does it, does it seem like it was easier for you to face all of this hardship from like the past month because of your beliefs that have to do with the simulation hypothesis? Like, did that affect you in any way of thinking, this is just another level. I'm just going to the next level in this, this game here. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get weird, the answer is yes. I do believe that like, <laughs> Elon, Musk, like Elon Musk believes that we're in a simulation. And when you believe that it does feel like you're playing a game. And uh, when I respond, I actually just said, all right, game on. Let's see what we can do. That, that's exactly yes. the feeling I got it, it, from you. Is it, it didn't even seem to pause you at all. It was, I, I saw your face yeah. on every front page. I saw you on SNL or your parody of you on SNL. It was everywhere. And you just kept going like, oh, I'm just, I beat this level onto the next one, onto the next boss. And it, it really yeah, made you know me connect I, with your thoughts it, on simulations. I, I, my thoughts on SNL was, I always wanted to make it to SNL. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I was like, Check. <laughs> like, wouldn't that even convince you even more of the simulation hypothesis when things like that start happening just out of nowhere? Suddenly, you're well, it's a on model. SNL. It's a, it's a, it's even even if you don't right. believe it in in as a reality, it's a model for it's for approaching things, and it works for Scott. It works for Elon Musk. I I didn't uh, really. Right make much of it until i ended up on a plane with scott going to greece two feet apart <laughs> that was where i started thinking hmm, maybe yeah. he's on to something uh and it certainly is the case maybe you do a little primer before we go scott you've been very generous with your time on intention and the simulation because the intention i think is embedded in what we're talking about here yeah so this is just speculation but i've talked for a long time about affirmations and how people who really focus on a specific future seem to do better. And if we're a simulation, and if we're avatars with maybe some you know, game player above us or not, we may be able to steer the simulation or at least you know, create a bubble of our own reality within this simulation uh, based on our intentions. And by the way, this is not crazy talk. <laughs> well, maybe it is. But uh, um, I, I once had a chat with uh, Mark Benioff, you know, the founder of uh, Salesforce. Now, he's a really interesting guy. If you spend just a minute talking to him, he's just not like other people. And I think I asked him something about the secret for success. And he, he gave me one word, intention. And that damn guy made me think about that every day since the day it happened. So probably 5,000 times I've said to myself, intention, what's that mean? And I finally decided, and maybe this is just my own interpretation, that that if you're playing it like a game, your intention is how you steer the game. It's just how you change the scenery. 
you just intend to be in a different place at some point in the future, and there you are. And that's, that's the way my, my life has gone. I mean, when I was six years old, I saw a, uh, uh, I guess it was a magazine, maybe Life magazine or something, about Charles Schultz. And I found out there was this thing called cartooning, and you could have this kind of a life to be a cartoonist. And I thought, well, all right, that's my intention. And at the age of six, I sent my intention to be my exact future. Now, is that a coincidence? Because I'm pretty sure there were 10 or 20,000 people who wanted to be, you know, in my situation, who tried to be cartoonists and make it work and it didn't work out. So why did it work for me? I don't know. (laughs) But it feels like every time I intend something, it seems to happen in, in a weird way. So that's the lived experience. It's that there's no science behind it. Well, there is some science behind it, although it's I a concept yeah, that you're yeah. you're using. Yeah, you're using certain language, but there's actually brain biology, you know, when we, when, and mind theory and things that go along with this. And philosophers who've brought up things like this over the years right. that have been reflected now back in the neurobiology. But, but you know, and but I just want to point out, be, to be fair. You went on to a career in economics and an MBA and then banking, and that gave you the freedom to keep that intention going. So you, again, you had strategies that you used as well, which is the other thing that I know you talk about all the time. But listen, we actually have to go. We have to go to, we're having a book party for Cat Temp right now in our, at our apartment. Where is it? Over here. Hold on. Uh, at our at our building. So they're all there. Over there it is. He's, Caleb has it up. Caleb has it up. He has a full screen of it already. And um, they're all the, all the, I'll say hi to Mr. Gutfeld for you. He's probably here already, Scott. So I know. Yeah, probably not. He probably already left. Are are you allowed to be on that show anymore? (laughs) Uh, Well, I I haven't tested it, but I I hope so. (laughs) All right, good. He talks about it all the time. Well, well, thank you so much. I told him you were going to be on the show tonight. He said, fun. (laughs) <laughs> she said fine i could uh, i could susan, pick your susan brain a... for for much longer here about all things related to, to this uh your experience uh, your vast experience uh here i i really would love it if you'd come back because i think as we watch how this whole uh, ai thing in particular unfolds and we want to get uh, an update on your your battle against ai how you are how are you you're taking down the forces we want to hear about it so come back, and Kelly. You can uh, you you can update tomorrow at seven o'clock. Just be on the be on the stream with her. I guess it's, are you in California now? Or are you in Colorado? It's all the same. Like oh no, I'm, Mountain I'm would Cal- be an hour later, yeah. but exactly. Yeah, but uh, Scott will be there at right seven now. o'clock every day, every day, and uh, right. you can get all kinds of updates there. And and I I love the fact that Kelly's inviting you back because that uh, she's now a Scott Adams enthusiast. She doesn't. <laughs> exactly. I can I can tell. So thanks, Scott, for joining us. That's great. Right. Thanks so much thanks. for having me. Bye. All right, you guys. And we're going to sign out all together today. We got to run out of here, but thank you all for being here. And we will see you Monday. We're not going to do tomorrow. Is that correct? Okay. Monday at the usual time, three o'clock. I'm not going to do this, Drew. Just asking three o'clock Monday. Yes. I put it up on the screen. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's three o'clock Pacific. 25th, Malhotra. That's right. On 25th, Malhotra, uh, Robert Malone on 26th, 27th, Shane Cashman, Kevin Bass, the medical student. I had some interesting tweets. I wanted to kind of pick his brain a little bit. Got a lot of stuff coming. So uh, please join us there and uh, we'll see you next time. Ta-ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. 
This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 